What's up, everybody? Hey, I'm Matt. I'm Zach. And this is MZ Car Guys Podcast. And uh, we thought we'd start a multi-part series this week um, on the Germans. Well, I, I are we doing that this week? I thought we were going to start that next week. And what, what, what you got on the docket there, Zach? Well, I thought we were going to do the uh, our two predictions for 2019. Mm. Mm. I may have forgotten to do my homework on that one. Okay. So why don't you, go uh, ahead, uh, why don't you start with some heavy lifting, and then I'll, uh, I'll I'll chime in. Let's get right to it. Okay. So uh, first off, we're MZ Car Guys. You can find us on uh, podcast, of course, uh, mostly at uh, anchors.fm slash MZ Car Guys. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, MZ Car Guys, and Twitter, MZ Car Guys, and YouTube, MZ Car Guys. Um, so what I was going to start off with was kind of just uh, two predictions. I'll make a prediction, then Matt can make a prediction, and then kind of go from there and see how time goes my very first prediction for 2019 is i think or actually correction i hope that we will by the end of this year chances are next year at the uh uh, at the la auto show i think we will get an announcement that honda is finally answering all of the screaming people out there and will offer the CRV and a hybrid. Oh yeah. Yeah. They have to. I, I, I mean, with the, with the fact that you now have a RAV4 hybrid, which is actually a hybrid <laughs> and not, uh, or sorry, a useful hybrid, um, and not like the one before where it, you just, you didn't really get very much gas mileage. I mean, it only got three miles per gallon more than the equivalent CRV, you know, regular gasoline. Um, I think you now have the, uh, the Subaru Forester hybrid, which is actually a pretty decent vehicle itself also. Isn't, isn't that still in the works? No, 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 no. They actually already announced it. The uh, Subaru reveals first Forester STI e-boxer hybrid 18 hours ago. Because the only hybrid currently in the Subaru lineup is the uh, plug-in Crosstrek. Yeah, but they... Yeah. This is hot news. Yeah, it is. Coming January 11th to the Tokyo Auto Salon. 2019 Forester. Will it come to the U.S.? Oh, I think you have to. Yeah. I think you have to. I mean, and, you know, you have, I mean, just so many, I mean, even when you have, you know, some of the higher lines, you've got Volvo jumping in on all of this, Audi jumping in on all of this. Um, yes, I, I, I think the... I think the one car company that you'll find that will be a serious holdout um, will be most likely Mazda. Oh, for sure. They don't have the infrastructure. Well, I, I don't, I'm not necessarily, I don't think they have the infrastructure. I just, I don't think that they have 
the real willpower to do it. Well, they don't have the financial reserves to go through all the, you know, all the all the R and D that it's going to take. I mean, developing Skyactiv is so much easier than developing a, a functional hybrid system where you don't have that jerky, um, you know, switch over from regen to uh, traditional braking and and everything else they got to do. It's just yeah. I mean, but I mean, you have other manufacturers which have been able to smooth it out. And you just kind of. You know, right. take pieces from what they do. But it feels like sharing that technology with Mazda. Mazda is actually starting from the ground up late in the game. No thanks. Yeah, which is yeah, which is one of the reasons why I think Mazda will just kind of, you know, you know, they'll they'll just kind of stick with their, you know, their their variable, variable ignition. The sky uh, active. Yeah, yeah, the sky active, and stuff like that. So I, I think they'll just kind of stick with that because, I think they've they've kind of accepted their role as you know a a small numbers manufacturer that yeah. they, they don't really have a desire to play around you know in uh in, in, in the rest of the world really good job inserting themselves into the niche of being the sporty mainstream car yeah they have they absolutely have they, they've really kind of done that they've been able to figure that out with the uh you know with the with the threes you know, with the model or uh, with the three the six you know the cx5 the cx9 you know they've they've trimmed everything down they've they've gotten rid of the rx series they've gotten rid of you know the cx7 which they didn't really need oh, you know that kind of thing so but i think i think with with honda truly coming into and 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 accepting um you know their their role because you know the it is available in you know the 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 crv hybrid is available in china but it's a whole different system than what you know than honda's you know uh, two motor hybrid system in america is but like we've discussed before, I think it's 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 an easy transplant to kind of use some of the you know the the space in the in the rear where the spare tire is, and you know, or underneath the seats or whatever you want to do, to put a battery pack, and then just take the dual motor hybrid system directly out of the Accords engine bay and just plant it straight down. And it should fit perfectly. Well, one would think. Inside engine bay, but yeah, absolutely. I think they'll probably yeah. go 1.5 hybrid instead of 2.0 hybrid, but the point is made. I think it should be the 2.0 hybrid. I, 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 I think, think it should be. I don't think that it will be. But I think it should be. I think if Honda pays attention to what they're doing, they'll, you know, because they. The, the problem with the 1.5 hybrid system is you have the Insight, which is a really great car. It really is. Rides super smooth. It's got tons of, you know, it's got pretty decent power for what it is, you know, the size that it is. Um, I argue that the interior, I think, actually looks better than what is inside of the regular Civic. 
I think the outsides, they, they grafted the look of the, the Accord perfectly onto the, the front and the rear end of the, uh, of the Civic. It's probably one of the better looking cars that Honda's done in the last several years. The problem is, is that you, the engine is just, the, the engine's too loud. At, at, at acceleration and it's really turned people off as soon as they get in they go, you go in for a test drive you know if you can put up with the engine noise you know the engine revving oh my gosh enjoy 52 miles per gallon all day long um but but i think i, I don't think you can get away with that in the crv i think the crv is just way too heavy you need the extra boost from the uh, the 2.0 out of the Accord, um, and I think it needs probably about a two and a half to maybe three kilowatt hour battery pack. It needs a bigger battery pack than what even it comes on the Accord. That's a big battery. It's a big battery for a traditional hybrid, yeah, absolutely. But I think you've got more than enough room for it. But um, but I okay, think so. You so CRV hybrid, let's call it, let's be conservative, call it the 2020 model year? I would say so. Okay. And I, I predict that it gets, I, I predict that it gets, uh, it gets inter, uh, unveiled at the 2019 uh, LA Auto Show um, as a, uh, as a 2020 model. And that it will, I predict that it will get city 35 and freeway 42 for an average of about 38. Uh, that would be impressive. That should put it right in line with the uh, RAV4 hybrid. I, absolutely. And what I predict the, the Subaru to be. Um, okay, so we're What's looking at so, well, so just to confirm, so that that time frame doesn't that put wouldn't twenty twenty be right in with when the CRV is expected to be refreshed anyway? Yes, very good math. <laughs> so you've got the seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and then in twenty the refresh and twenty one, and then in twenty two the brand new car. Isn't that the sort of the cycle Honda tends to run? I yeah, I, I think we may see. Um, uh, I think we may see uh, possibly a switch over in twenty twenty three. Five years. Stretch stretched a bit. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So it's really easy to sit here and and say that some things are are likely, but here's here's. I'm going to stretch a little bit. I'm going to say something that I hope happens next year. It's not, it's not likely, but I'm really hoping for it, which is that we see a mainstream car, meaning something under 30K, base at least, with the free valve engine in it. Uh, that done by... Right out of the gate, going bold. Hmm. 
Um, Zach, would you do a little uh, background on what FreeValve is for those who aren't aware? Yeah, so FreeValve, um, so this is by Koenigsegg. Um, and basically it um, uses uh, actuators, air actuators, to uh, open and close the intake and exhaust valves uh, as opposed to using um, a mechanical lifter assembly and, uh, and, and rockers and, and so forth. A, a camshaft. Um, a camshaft. Right. And it completely eliminates all of that mechanicalness of that. Um, and what it does is, is it allows you to individually per valve um, change the duration of the valve opening, how far the valve opens. Um, and, and you can do it varying each individual valve per cylinder so you can go from you can have four valves per cylinder but at some instances it's only two valves per cylinder or if you need it to be you know more exhaust you can have both exhaust valves open and only a single intakes you know valve open if you want to um, do a better job at simulating um, Atkinson cycle which means that you have uh, less of an intake, um, less of an intake, uh, you know, coming in, air, you know, the air fuel mixture coming in, in on the intake stroke, um, and then using uh, the uh, uh, the power stroke and then really opening up for the exhaust, something like that. So it gives you a lot more freedom for, uh, it gives you a lot more freedom to move the air around more efficiently um, and you can do it all without having to go through uh, you know variable valve timing with mechanical and pins and stuff like that right much lower uh, friction much much less driveline losses much quicker to yeah. adjust on accelerator position yeah um, yeah and you can go um, auto miller or atkinson cycle all within a, a minute or less of time yeah, exactly. I mean, you can go through all the different, you know, variations of the auto cycle, all that you need to, you know, that type of thing. Um, the only thing that I think uh, with your timing, Matt, is the fact that even Koenigsegg itself hasn't released a production car with it. Correct. Yeah. Well, it's, they've, they've always said that it's technology they're not just doing for themselves, right? It's more they're looking to make this as mainstream as possible. So I think they would probably go with somebody, some major manufacturer first before they put it into something like the new Agera or whatever they come out with. Yeah. Okay. But uh, that's, that's, that's kind of a, kind of a stretch one, but I think, I think here's, here's one that's kind of more nuanced since I'm going to just take over for, before I forget what I've, what I've thought about, which is that, as great as the 2020 Supra looks, that sales won't take off until they develop a manual transmission option. Yeah, I think the Supra not being available with a manual transmission is just irresponsible. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I, I just, I mean, I know that it would be 
probably 1% of sales, if not lower. But not in the US. I mean, Bimmer and Porsche have manuals at all because of Americans. Everyone else doesn't care. Yeah. So, I don't know, 10%, 20%. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, let's, okay. While we're on the subject, because I want to, these predictions are great. And I think, and I think when I say it won't really take off, when I think after the initial run where people are paying over sticker for the car within about four to six months, I think after that, you're going to see the Supras languishing in showrooms, especially in that new yellow color they just um, announced the other day. But last thing about the Super, just for a minute, about the manual transmission is the ZF 8-speed, the 8HP and all of its iterations is fantastic. And I've driven several cars with it. And um, I believe, Zach, you've driven at least one um, yeah. that has it. And it's quite possibly the best longitudinal transmission on the market today. Mm. Or you could argue that. Okay, the, maybe the best uh, non-exclusive longitudinal transmission on the market. Um, and it's and it is it's really, really good. It's definitely one of the top three. It's it's certainly the best I've driven. I like it better than a PDK in everyday driving. Although it's not a big difference, not like a chasm oh. between the two. It's close. Uh, and the PDK is slightly better. Like- I still like what Honda's done with their with their with their uh, ten speed. That well, it's, it's it is good, but but you're not supposed to drive that thing at ten tenths. They don't have any cars where it's really. I mean, the Accord Sport is is fine, but it's still an Accord, right? It's not it's not a track car. So, mm. yeah, for everyday yeah. driving, it's hard to get the Accord the Accord ten speed, but it's but I feel like it's only good at that it's good from one-tenth to seven-tenth, and after that, it tends to start to fall off a little bit, Like whereas the 8HP really even comes alive even more. That, that's, that's me. That's, that's what I think. So, but yeah, it's a great transmission, and the Super is using it, and that's good because that, that no matter what you get, when they do offer a manual, either way you go, you're not going to get a pile of dog crap. Yeah. So it's not going to be horrific to fix because everybody and their mother in Germany uses the 8HP, so. Yeah. And it, the car looks fantastic. Oh my gosh, is that a good-looking piece of machinery from every angle. It is nice. Cool. It is so, nice. My only issue, my only issue is that I look at it and I don't see... Toyota. I just I, I don't see it. I, I, mean, I see the Toyota symbol. I can see it on there. But there's no there's there's no homage. And I think when you when you bring back a nameplate that that's been gone for a decade or two 15 years yeah that you have to have a design homage to it there needs to be a toyota-ness at it i i see as i see a i see the mark IV supra in the direct side profile 
sort of, you know, long nose, low roof, short deck. But I realize that's no, I, kind of a cop. I, I understand, but I I really honestly think that it's much more BMW than it is Toyota. Possibly, but what I what I see a lot of in the in the grill in the air intakes is is what happens when you take a Camry, the new the modern Camry, right, the SE and XSE version, and you and you and you give the engineers full reign. So, and that I see that Toyotaness, this this you know this Mr. Toyota version of we would no longer build born cars, and Mr. Toyota clearly having a like a, a hand in this and saying yes that that's aggressive enough that's you know, that's what I'm looking for. That's that's the non-born thing I'm looking for. So that's yeah, what I'm seeing. Just, it doesn't drive like a Toyota. That's all I can say. I mean, have you driven one yet? No. Um, apparently, no one has. Um, or almost no one. Um, someone at Jalopnik, I think, got the car and driver also got to drive one heavily camouflaged. The interior wasn't finished. Yeah, so it's not really a drive drive as much as it is a first impression this is what we hope is going to happen kind of thing um but uh shoot some auto show coming up next month tokyo maybe yeah tokyo auto salon next month is the official unveiling full interior you know ready for ready for the public so we'll know more in a week or two i don't know i'm looking at pictures of the camouflage and I just, I mean, I mean, okay, maybe I can see a little bit of, you know, the the supra ishness and the in the headlights a little bit. Do you can you pull up the photo of it when it's in the um, in the container? I think it's a, it's a train container. It's sort of a looking down from above photo. Not directly. No, you can see the I'm on, I'm on uh, autoguide.com. And they've got it, and I've just kind of see. I just, it just doesn't strike me as a Toyota. Let's see if we can find this photo together. I googled Mark V Toyota Supra. So let's start with that. See if I can pull this image up because it's a really oh there we go. Okay, yeah, Mark V I mean, Toyota Supra. It's Three, just four. it's just so much more. About ten columns down. BMW than it is, you know, Toyota. Well, I, yeah. okay. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's your thing. I, I, I disagree. Yeah. yeah. So anyways. Okay. So I've, I've, I've got my two, I've got one, you know, that I think is pretty safe and one that's a big stretch. What you got? Ah. <sighs> So mine is, it's a little bittersweet. Um, I think by the end of 2019, we will hear an announcement that Mitsubishi is leaving the American market. Good riddance. And well, this is why I say it's bittersweet. And that is because you had, you know, as in reference to our 
you know, our, our last week's episode of Rise of the Koreans, you have Hyundai, which was able to bring itself out of the depths. Kia kind of got dragged along with Hyundai into making pretty decent cars now. You have Nissan clawing their way back slowly, maybe surely. Evidently, the Maxima is supposed to be a really good car. And the Altima is much better than what it used to be. You know, their their fit and finish is a little bit still a little bit, yeah. The Nissan Kicks is evidently supposed to be decent. You know, asthmatic, but decent. Uh, the Nissan Leaf is still the Nissan Leaf. It's still, you know, the best. I'm not going to bang for buck because there's no bang in it. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, but, uh, you know, the, the best value for electrons, I guess, uh, you can kind of say. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a big jump over the first gen. Oh, a huge jump over the first generation. You know, and, uh, you know, and they're, you know, their, their, their publicity woes notwithstanding, they are seeing some improvement on their stuff. Um, you know, and, and I think they are, I think they finally announced that they're going to give us a, a, a redesign uh, you know, like, like a new, an actual new, not like a, you know, new with an NU, but an actual NEW, um, uh, GTR. So you, you have, you know, you, so, so you have these different car companies who are able to kind of, you know, find themselves-ish kind of again, uh, even Toyota. Um, you know, who kind of lost their way for a little bit. Um, you know, Mr. Toyota has now come out and said, hey, we're not going to make any more, you know, boring automobiles. Um, you know, and, and if and if the new RAV4 and the new Corolla are anything to say about it, and especially the new Camry, hey, absolutely, go for it. You know, even General Motors is kind of trimming themselves down a little bit, and hopefully they'll come to their, uh, to their, you know, mo more of their senses and stuff. And, um, but I, I don't see Mitsubishi really making that move, making that turn. Um, I, I think one of the the biggest you know, travesties is the Eclipse crossover, as I think is what it's called. Oh, God. Oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely, um, just hold on, I'm, vehicles. Yeah. The really, the really sad thing about that, about that car is it's, it's actually, it's above average looks. But it's just all so much Mitsubishi underneath. Yeah, and and here's the thing: if you, are, are you so go to, go and take a look at a 1993 Mitsubishi Diamante. Just look that up. One moment. 
the one the one thing I will say, the one problem with the Eclipse crossover is very clearly that the back last two or three feet of the car looks exactly like an old Pontiac Aztec. Just look right. at the Diamante. Okay, let's get some more photos going up here. Uh, it came in a wagon, and that makes it good. Like are we no, no, no. to that point? Is that, is that how much of the question has to be? Look at the sedan. I am. I am. It's pretty awful. What? Yes. That pitched grill and that weird, like, lower jutting jaw thing that makes no sense. Uh, I think it looks nice. Okay. We don't agree on everything. Okay, now here's, here's the weird thing. I'm pulling up. I've got a 93. Okay, the 93 looks pretty bad. Then I've got a photo of an unnamed year that looks way better where the Bottom grill is more tucked in, and the top is way more finished looking. Uh, kind of a kind of a nice deep green color, but the ninety three is kind of repulsive to me, actually. Huh. See, I like it because it has um, it's got almost kind of more of a European look to it of the time. See, there is a okay. Okay, I'm looking at a totally different one, and this one um, very much has a European look to it. This is what year? Grill in the front of this. What's up? The, I've seen one. There's a very different grill in the front of this one. Both say '93. Um, so, so what is this? Yeah, both both of these cars say '93, and one is one is really good looking, and the other one is repulsive. One has a chin that's tucked under and looks great. One has a chin that juts out and has big gaps in it and looks terrible. So, I don't know. All right, let's see here. So, the first generation was 1999 to 96. You said 93. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to take a look at it. Okay, so 95 to 2005. So, pull up a 95. I think is what you're saying. Yeah, all the photos of the 95 look, look pretty good. Pretty darn good. Okay. Okay. So anyways, so yeah, so let's say the 95. Because, yeah, that's the, I, that's the one that I've been trying to show you, kind of taking a look at, that type of thing. So the, the front of it looked like as if a Pontiac had class. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. okay. So. That's a good looking car. Good, so good this is what. So this is what they used to make, you know, and then you have, say, like uh, the 98 uh, 3000 GT. Right. Well, I mean, not to, not to skip ahead too much, but I'm, I'm looking at that car up just to make sure. Um, but it's it's been... I can't remember who said this either, and I, I feel bad about it. I want to say it was either like Chris Harris or Clarkson or somebody said basically that the Evo killed Mitsubishi. They put so much money into developing that engine and driveline and everything else that they didn't have anything left for any, any of the other models. 
Oh yeah. And and the Evo, the like 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 the Evo nine, the Evo eight and the Evo nine were amazing cars. I've I've, I've driven both of them. Uh, I've driven the Evo ten also. The Evo ten, and 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 I know there's going to be some fanboys out there that are going to really disagree with me, but I I felt that the Evo ten, even though it was the most powerful, it it it's the same thing, it's the same problem that I have with the the E forty six BMW M three versus the E thirty nine BMW M three. And that is, yes, you did make it more powerful. It is faster, um, and it does handle better. But you lost the connected feeling. Oh, yeah, it's more numb. You lost the lightness. You lost the the ability to really connect with the car. And I think in the Evo Eight you you had that you had that connection because i think it was the evo 8 was the first one in the united states yes uh, based on the picture yeah. i'm going with yes right? yeah in, in, in a way in a way this is in a way the evo is the ultimate american muscle car in a way because it's all power all go no interior yeah it was it was very very trim um and but yeah i think they kind of lost it a little bit so so but like i said you know this is the company that Hatgate gave us those and yeah, yeah. we just you know they they i i don't know i mean it, it's it's just sad it is just sad that the company that gave us those kinds of cars, you know, is still just, you know, and, 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 and I don't think that they can, I don't think they can do it. I don't think they can last. And I, and, and I think we'll, we'll hear by the end of this year, we'll have, it'll, they'll, they'll be leaving our shores. And the, I think uh, that's so what's your last prediction, Matt? Well, I, uh, you asked for two, right? So um, I'm hoping the stretch is hoping, hoping for a free valve. And uh, the most likely one I think is that we're going to see pretty disappointing super sales until the uh, until they, until Toyota sucks it up and gives us a stick shift. Okay. All right. So we, so uh, we did both gears that all like right there together? Yeah, yeah. I think I think we actually got. I'm gonna throw in a bonus one, which is I think, I think we're gonna start to see a big shift in electric car manufacturing and electric car product starting in 19, where you start to have big companies coming out with things like the the Porsche vehicle that no one can pronounce correctly, but I'm gonna call it the Taken because that's what looks right. Um, yeah. And those companies, with their quality control, with their volume, with their massive financial backing, are going to put a big squeeze on Tesla, which will be great because Tesla will either step up to the plate or they will fail. And either way, it'll be spectacular. Uh, 
Um, and the other thing is you're going to see a lot more accountants at these companies getting involved, like really saying, okay, what, how much R&D do we really want to do on these EVs? How much can we afford to lose in the short term? And how long will it take to recoup this in the long term? Okay. And I think we'll see a real leveling out of EV demand. It will well, sort of I, stasis over the next five years. Well, the interesting part is, is that you're, I think you're going to see, I, I think, you know, and, and this kind of harkens back to our electric car uh, podcast. And I think you're going to see a real kind of just from those companies that are still holding on to Chatamo, I think you're going to see them just give in. They have to. They just have to. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because, you know, DC is just going to win. It just is. Um, it's, it's just, it's well, it's way too, um, you know, it's 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 way too universal. It's way too accepted. Um, I mean, it's starting to be accepted with, you know, in in Europe. I think it's going to become the European standard now. Um, so, I think you know, it's and 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 good on them because that means that you'll see a faster. Um, because that, that's really the only thing holding back level three charging as being very wide mainstream. Uh, you have uh, Rivian just announced recently that they're going to be making sure that there are DC fast chargers um, in place at, uh, at close to all of the major trailheads <laughs> which yeah. I think is just awesome, you know, because then that means that, you know, you're going to be able to, you know, just implement that into, you know, so I, I, I think with, uh, I, I, I think you're going to see a lot more inclusion of uh, electric cars and uh, who knows, Maybe Toyota will finally make the jump. Well, they keep saying solid state, so we'll see. <sighs> yeah, I know. Every car they offer will have a hybrid option by 2025, so that'll be their way of staving off the uh, the push into fully electric. Because they'll be like, yeah, our average MPG is fantastic. We're not worried. Yeah, which I guess you can go that way. I have yeah. no strong feelings yeah. about it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that was a pretty good podcast to end uh, 2019. What do you think, Matt? Uh, I say uh, Happy New Year's, everybody, and um, hope you enjoyed whatever holiday it is that you uh, like to celebrate the most. And uh, yeah. we will talk to you guys uh, in the new year, probably not too long after the new year. My family's going away for a week, so I will have some extra time on the hands. Wow. Awesome. So, uh, so, yeah, so we're going to take uh, about a two-week hiatus, and uh, then uh, we'll come back and we will start our series on um, just uh, the different 
German uh, automotive manufacturers. Uh, and I think we're going to, I think we're going to start with Mercedes. What do you think, Matt? I, well, you know, why not start with a company that started it all, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And my favorite person, well, one of my favorite people in all of automotive history, and that has to be the pure reason for the existence of the automotive market and sales and everything. And that would be the great Bertha Benz. Who most people have never heard of, which is makes it even more interesting. Absolutely. So uh, guys, right. stick around and uh, we will see you in 2019. Uh, if you need to get a hold of us and uh, or send us any questions or anything like that, uh, mzcarguys at gmail.com. That's mzcarguys at gmail.com. Uh, Matt, take care. All right. Happy New Year, Zach. All right. Vroom, vroom.